My name is Mona Lisa. I'm a problem solver, a motivator, and most importantly, a mother. When my daughter was just 18, she was sentenced to 10 years in prison. It nearly destroyed our entire family, but we persevered. And now I'm on a mission to help other families going through this nightmare by bringing them out of the darkness and into the light. This is Prisoner of Hope. Welcome to Prisoner of Hope, a show designed to foster empathy and restore relations within the family unit. I'm Mona Lisa, and I hope you're safe and healthy out there. On our show, we'll be speaking with Arielle Mack, a woman who spent most of her younger years in and out of prison. Living the fast life led her down a path that didn't end up as she expected. After serving her time, Arielle came back home to her son and her mother, who had been acting as a caregiver while Ariel was gone, and Ariel's mother was also fighting a life-threatening disease at this time. Ariel's biggest challenge is to get the world to give her a second chance. She feels that she just can't get the F off of her report card, despite the fact that she has remained out of prison without any incidences. She, along with so many others, continues to be unable to find the appropriate resources for jobs to help them get on with life after their time served. Imagine what life would be if you had gotten caught doing some of the questionable things you might have done as a teen. Okay, let's, let's not just say that we did. Well, Ariel is now working three jobs to make ends meet, and she hopes for a better life for her and her family. It's what we all want for ourselves. So why would this be so wrong for Ariel and for anybody who's been out of prison for that matter? Let's take a look at her story. At 21 years old, Ariel Mack moved from her home state of Texas to Atlanta, Georgia for a fresh start. She had come from a church going family, but unfortunately got mixed up with the wrong people after her move to Atlanta. Ariel was arrested after police had found cocaine in her vehicle. Ariel served four years in prison for drug trafficking and has been able to move back to Texas since her release. She is now struggling to find and maintain work with a felony on her record. Welcome back. I want to introduce you today to Ariel Mack. She is a beautiful soul and she did time with my daughter in prison in Georgia. Welcome, Ariel. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Today, we want to talk to you a little bit about what it was like to do time. Um, not just once, but twice you did time. And I know you have a story. I know it's a deep story. But tell us a little bit about kind of what caused you to do not one sentence, but two sentences. I got convicted of a drug trafficking charge. So I got a split sentence almost. And what happens is when you get your sentence time, you do this, you don't go to county jail, then you go through state. It's a lot. And I end up doing, out of my 15, 13 that I got sentenced to, I end up doing almost eight years off my 15th routine. And then you went back a second time, right? So initially it was the four and a half years, and then I did another two and a half. Okay. So once you got out the first time, tell me how that, how, how that landed you back going in. Right. So initially getting out, they don't really like re-enter you into society. They kind of just throw you out there. Um, you're kind of just on your own figuring out how to stay out of trouble, how to, you 
have to pay these people monthly. You have you're supposed to have a job, have income, and be able to live in society, like make your own way. And that's really, really impossible when there is literally no jobs. Not any jobs that will like that you can support your family and your help. You can't really take care of yourself on the jobs that they allow felons to have. And you have a son, right? So while you were out, right, while you were out, um, uh, what did you do to get to land back in the second time? So technically it was called um, non, <laughs> non-payment. So you can, Department of Correction in Georgia can violate you for non-payment. They make you back, you go have to surrender yourself. Do If you're like, you're out on parole or out on papers, and they say, hey, you can surrender yourself if you violate any of these lists of things you can do. And they just pick one of those things off the list. It really got, it really just got too much. And so it was because you didn't pay to uh, uh, your parole officer. Basically, boy, now, it was a whole lot of things, but specifically, I could not afford to pay the monthly payments that they wanted coming out of prison. It took me almost six months to find a job by that time. I was headed back. Okay. So, so, so we can't agree that because you didn't pay your fees is why they put you back in the second time. Right. So that's why they quote unquote broke your probation. That's why they said they broke my probation. Yeah. My parole. My parole. So, so you, here we have, how old were you at the time? I was 25. 25 years old, just getting out of prison with a how old child? How old is your son? He was eight at the time. Eight-year-old son, and you're coming out and trying to get back into society, and you can't even find a job because no one wants to help you, right? So that is the problem that we'll talk about later. For now, let's talk about what was it and how, how did you make it while you were inside? What was life like as a female inside the first and the second time? All the times kind of ran together, but because... So you, you thinking you get out and life is, you're trying to catch up on life, but everyone's in there is still in there. When I left and came back, the same people were in there. We were in a maximum security prison, so their life is there. Majority of the people there are doing 10, 15, 20 years and plus. So I left and came back and it was just the same old thing. But um, you gotta have a lot of patience. You gotta have a lot of patience, endurance. You have to be able to, that environment makes you just adapt. Like most people come into prison, they're very like anti-authority. They get into a lot of stuff initially, and then you kind of find a rhythm of just like keeping your head down, staying low, trying to stay out of trouble as much as possible. But trouble comes at you all sides. It's best to just <laughs> stick to yourself if at all possible. It's not that. So it's for you. Hard to do that yeah. So for you, though, you didn't t- totally stick to yourself because you met my daughter while you guys were inside and you guys became best friends and you both have been out and back in society and you still remain best friends. The old cliche is when you get in, you do- you hold your head down, you do your time. You don't get to know anybody. You don't make any friends. But that was different for you. Tell me why was that different for you? I <laughs> Me and your daughter, me and Sierra got arrested on the exact same day. So we're both going. The holding cell is literally the worst experience you can have in your life. The holding cell is just like a spot that face. like, you here, baby. You ain't going nowhere. You here. Me and her experience that together. So 
we kind of like went through our journey. We was in separate places at different times. We went through our journey together. We learned stuff together. We we bumped our heads a lot of times together. We just went through the prison process and how to maneuver and navigate through it together. So it was natural that we just kind of like clicked to each other. And I really felt like a genuine person in her. And you can't find me. Everybody in prison lie. <laughs> you can't find good people. I found a good person. She found a good person. That's all. Now, what did you actually get incarcerated for? You said trafficking, right? And um, right. What, what was your drug of choice back then? So I got arrested for trafficking cocaine. Okay. And um, what was your lifestyle like back then? Were you, um, uh, were, what were you doing for work? So I, so I actually, I was in college, but then I got, like most young girls, they get caught up in a, in a different lifestyle. I wanted to be something that I wasn't. So I moved away and got into a bad crowd. I actually started dancing. And Is it was stripping? just a snow. Uh -huh. Yes, I actually started dancing. Stripping. Exotic dancing. <laughs> there we go. We called it stripping back in the day. You guys call it exotic <laughs> dancing. Okay. Right. And it just kind of like snowballed from there, actually. It did. It did. Well, the good thing is, is that you learned your lesson at the end of the day, right? You learned your lesson. You've been out for a long time. And again, we'll get to that in just a little while, but let's get back to, um, what, what was it like being a mother while you're inside and trying to parent a child? Um, by far the worst, the worst thing possible as a mother, I just, it hurt me to, I know a lot of women that aren't mothers that's incarcerated and it hurts. It hurts to be away from your family, your friends. It does hurt. But to be away from your child who is too, when I got arrested, he was way too young to even understand. For a while, most women use a lot like, oh, I'm at school, just, just to get through. But he quickly understood that wasn't the case. And I'm from Texas. So all my entire family is in Texas and I'm incarcerated in Georgia. So. Needless to say, I didn't have many visits or people didn't see me. I didn't see my son for about four years. Um, so it was really tough. Yeah. I can imagine that that must have been very difficult for you. But, you know, at the end of the day, we all know that when you do the crime, you must do the time. And you have done that. You've served your time. You've come back to society. And now you're looking at attempting to try to get your life back on point again. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what that looked like for Ariel and how she made it to the other side. Stay with us. We should not have to worry about our loved ones being in fear for their lives. They should be able to go, do their time, and come home.
Welcome back. Uh, we're talking to Ariel Mack, a returning citizen who did a double sentence and is back to the real world. Welcome back, Ariel, to the show. <laughs> I'm so glad that you came to share your story with us. It is by far my honor to sit and talk to you because it is not an easy thing to do time. It is not for the weak of hearts. It is for the strong of strongs. And I believe that you are a very strong woman. I believe you're so strong to the point where since you've been out, you have faced multiple obstacles, right? I mean, multiple obstacles. Tell me about what it has been like since you got out from the time you walked out of that door to the time you got from Georgia back to Texas and then started living life. Tell me about it. Honey, if somebody would have told me that I would have so much difficulties trying to re-enter society upon my release, I would have thought you were lying. I never in a million, it, while you're incarcerated, all they preach to you is like, you're gonna get out, you're gonna live your you're going to live your best life. How are you going to put this behind you? Put this behind you. That's all they preach. That's all they tell everyone. We're going to put this behind you. I'm here to tell you and I'm here to tell everyone that that is physically impossible. There is no way you can put this behind you. From the day I left prison and probably for the rest of my life, I'm always like a capital F felon. I'm a felon everywhere I go. People, um, any jobs that I apply for, first thing to ask you, are you convicted or are they... They, some people go so far as to be not only have you were you convicted within the last 10 years, but have you been out of incarceration in the last five, seven years? They ask you that all the time. Um, it just follows you. It's one mistake can ruin your, can mess up your whole life. Just like bad credit. It's worse than bad credit. They see you and don't want to touch you at all. Um, it was difficult for me when I got out of prison. I didn't know I was going to make parole. I had already said in my mind I was going to do my whole time, and that was it. So I finally made parole, and it was kind of a shock to me and my family, so we weren't prepared. I kind of, they kind of just let me out, and I was just out. I really didn't have a place to go in Georgia, and I didn't have income. I didn't have anyone to receive me in Georgia. So I kind of would just bounce around floating, doing whatever I had to do. I, once I made it to Texas, then my life kind of got back to semi-normal. I found a restaurant job. That's pretty much what take you just in with nothing. So I found a restaurant job and I got into that and I was doing a little odd jobs like driving um, for pickup, delivery, stuff like that. But um, every job, I was in college before I got locked up. So every job that I applied to that, you know, had a little substance to it, told me no. Told me don't know. Some, some people even let me go so far as coming into the training and then even call centers. I got hired in call center. I went through the training with the whole nine. And then right when I was going to start, HR called me and there was like, oh, sorry, bad boy, it's a background check and we'll have to, you know, let you go. And I heard that so many times, it got redundant to the point where I was just like, I'm over it. You know, like, so many doors get shut in your face and you just get tired of it. I can imagine that. So if you had to talk to the world right now and, and tell them what you would want them to know about returning citizens and giving them a second chance, especially to remove the F from their report card, what do you think needs to happen uh, to be able to make it better for people like yourself? I feel like if I am qualified for a job and that I can do that job fully, my, something I did 10 years ago, I'm in my 30s now, something I did when I was in my early 20s, should not hinder me. It should not. I don't. I don't understand, and I don't know what we have to do. To this is laws on top of laws on top of laws. It's always some red tape. So I'm. I'm sure that I can change 
means nothing right now, but I would like for some way we can get we can implement programs inside of prison that will let you know the realistic thing, how, what you want to do with coming out of prison. It needs to have, because the classes in prison is just like, they lolly die. They have no, they have no way, shape, or form, like a semblance of what's really going to happen in reality. In reality, you're going to hear 40 no's to one year. They don't say that in prison. They tell you, oh, it's going to be fine. Just keep on doing it. Do this. They're not ready. They don't prepare you to get out. And once you get out, no one assists you or you don't even know how to find assistance. So you think job preparedness needs to be more looked at? You also think that, you know, uh, reentry programs need to be more, you need to be made more aware okay. of it while you're inside versus once you get out, because more than likely the um, support system that one has, as you said, is not always there until you get right back to where you need to get to. You know, like for instance, right. um, uh, you know, you were bouncing around in Atlanta. That was a bad support system for you. It wasn't until you got to your mom and to your family family in Dallas that you got stabilized, right? So for exactly. everybody, when they leave, they need to be considering, uh, we need to consider finding better ways to allow people to leave and not use that as a excuse on why we can't let them out because I can just hear it now. Well, they don't have anywhere to go, so let's hold them in another you know, year past their out date. No. no. We, no. need to we need to create more reentry homes and more reentry programs and exactly. stuff like that. A halfway house. It needs to have much more halfway houses to bridge the gap from prison. A person doing five years or more in prison, they have they have tricked their mind into adapting to this situation. It is super duper hard to change your mind. It's like the military. You get into the military and your mind is, a, is accustomed to this and then boom, the next day you're out of it and you just have to go back to regular. That's not that's not a thing that doesn't happen in real life. Wow. And that's how it is in incarceration. Let's real quick, we got 30 seconds to answer this question. What do you, how do you describe your mindset right now? How do you think of life and what do you feel like internally? Right, right now I'm hopeful. Right now I've been trying, every note that I'm hearing, I'm like, you know what, I gotta make my own yes. I'm hopeful, I'm encouraged. My best friend encourages me every day, I encourage her. And I just, I'm tired of hearing no, so I'm just gonna make my own way. I've been working so hard on building what I, building stuff for myself. Guess what? Let me do a shameless plug for you, my dear. She is the most masterful wig stylist that I have ever seen on this side of heaven, okay? And for those of you who know me, you know I will bust a wig out on you in a second, okay? I will wear all different colors of hairs, different types. That's my stylist right there. She's the one who does it, and she does it long distance. She'll fix it up and hook it up, and then before you know it, I'm here. I might be blonde today, red tomorrow, brown, but it's me. <laughs> Ariel, I want to thank you so much for coming. Until we talk again, I want you to do everything you can to enjoy your life because you are a beautiful soul. I know that you have done your time. I know you have paid the price and I know you are a changed woman. So I hope for every goodness to come your way. Okay. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. We'll be right back. Prisoner of Hope is not just a show. It is a movement to restore empathy and to rebuild the family unit. Catch episodes early on the PrisonerofHopeTV.com website and YouTube channel. Subscribe to our blog. Learn more about Mona Lisa and Access the Vault, a video resource library designed to help you in knowing your rights, tips on post-incarceration life skills, starting your journey to self-discovery, understanding family and parenting relationships, and more. 
Looking for resources in your neighborhood? Use the vault to type in your zip code and find therapists, reentry programs, food assistance, and more. Prisoner of Hope needs you to get involved. And there are three ways. Learn how you can volunteer, donate, or even become a sponsor of the show. Interested in booking Mona Lisa to speak at your event or on your panel? Learn how under the contact section on the website. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to find out about upcoming Prisoner of Hope tours and other special events. Hope isn't canceled. We are in this together. Welcome back. So there you have it. A woman who experienced incarceration twice. And most of us would say, well, you know, there's gotta be something wrong with her because, you know, she keeps going back to jail and to prison. But the reality is, is some people actually experience things that are out of their control. I mean, when you get to a point where you are out and you're, you have nowhere to turn to make any money, and yet you're responsible for paying your monthly parole fees or probation fees, and you can't pay them, a lot of people will violate you for that reason. And, and, and that is just a very difficult subject to deal with. It's a very difficult issue to deal with at the end of the day. But what I'm saying and what I'm asking for all of us to think about is, is, is maybe what have you done in the past? If you go back and look at your life from when you were a kid, in your early teens and in your 20s, what have you done that if we caught you, what, would, what price would you have paid? Could the difference be between her and you is that you just didn't get caught? I know it is for me. The things that I did in my younger youth days, uh, between the ages of like 13 to 25, mm, we're not going to talk about those today, okay? I'll just tell you, I should be in trouble without a doubt, but I just never got caught. That's the difference between those who are in and those who are out. So we all deserve second chances, no matter who we are. If we have done the time and have paid the price for our crime or for your crime or whoever's crime it is out there, the reality is, is that everyone deserves a second chance. Even if it were you, you would want that second chance. So I'm saying that for the F that's on most report cards today, that F being a felony, let's try to erase that and give somebody a chance to try to go back to school again, get the grade again, improve themselves. So as we become and continue to be prisoners of hope, you know, I want you to know that I'm your sister in this journey. And that without a doubt, without a doubt, I'll always be here to walk with you on this journey. Being a prisoner of hope means that we are people filled with positive thoughts, with hopeful thoughts, with abundant thoughts, with the desire to do better and to be better and to start in a, and to, to keep a life, you know, that just is filled with hope. That's what being a prisoner of hope is. If you're going to be a prisoner, you want to be filled with hope. You don't want to be a prisoner in this free world uh, and locked down in your mindset. You need to be like a vault, unlocking yourself to find your freedom mentally, spiritually, and physically. So until we talk again, I want you to realize that it is time to enjoy your life. So find a way to do that. Do just that. Enjoy your life. <laughs>